As we go into the Word of God this morning, I ask once again for your prayers. I also ask for your patience to hear the entire message out and to understand that we might be tempted to think it's simple, but it is profound. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, now I pray that you would guide as your word is opened and we listen for your voice. May we have ears to hear, hearts to understand, and a will that is given to thee to proclaim truth and to embrace truth. And I pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. The title of the message this morning is What Life Matters. What Life Matters. I want to make this statement. You see what God has given the most care for. Now please hear me out. You see what God has given the most care for, the greatest attention to, and the highest priority concerning mankind. And you will find what really matters. Now I'm talking about what God has given the most care for. Not an agenda, not a movement, not an individual, what God has done. And we serve God. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1. I have done my best to make this precise. I could take this message and, and, and triple the time on it but I'm not going to. So there are things that I could expound on I'm not going to this morning, but I want us to catch what our God is seeking to tell us. Genesis 1 starts out very simply. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he goes on to speak what takes place there. And finally, when day six comes along, Mankind is thought of. And in a very familiar passage, we read in Genesis 1, verse 26, and God said, let us, the Trinity is talking now, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man. Please catch this. This is called a dramatic pause. My kids would accuse me of that at times. This is to get attention to what is being said. So God created man. God 
created man in his own image and breathed, excuse me, and created him male and female, created he them. Now go to the next chapter, Genesis 2, one verse. Look at verse 7, and again, please listen. Verse 7, Genesis 2. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he, God, breathed into his nostrils, mankind, the breath of, what's the word? And God, excuse me, and man became a living what? Soul. And therein is our peculiar creation above everything else. Made in the image of God, no matter what we look like on the outside, we were made in the image of God and we were given something that all of creation does not have. We are a living soul. You know, it's kind of interesting to stop and consider what we are made up of physically. And still there are those that say, well, you know, it was just all an accident. You know, the, the universe burped, and next thing you know, here we are. Consider the following. The average body, some of us would have a little more of this. The average body contains 7.5 trillion cells. Each cell, each cell has 200 trillion tiny groups of atoms called protein molecules. The largest molecule is called DNA. It carries the hereditary information from the parents to the offspring. It also carries a genetic code. It determines if you're going to be a man or a shrimp or a fish or a horse. You, know, you, you get what I'm saying. It's there. DNA in one cell, DNA in one cell is six feet long. The total DNA in a body would fill a box the size of an ice cube. But if it were joined together, it would reach to the sun and back four hundred times. All our cells, every one of them, contain the information found in all the other cells. Each cell in your body carries all the necessary information for another you. If the coded DNA information and instructions of one human were translated into English, it would fill a 1,000-volume encyclopedia. I just try and take this in a little bit. In cell division, 
The cell forms a rotating double helix. It rotates at 75 turns per second. This is equal to straightening out a cathedral full of tangled microphone wire in under a split second. Yet, the cell's duplication is so accurate that it is equivalent to a rate of less than one letter for an entire set of Encyclopedia Britannica. Our bodies are incredibly complex. There is no room for anyone to say that evolved. That has the finger of God all over it. But that doesn't even begin to show the wonder of our creation. You know what does? Genesis 1, 26. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So, who created us? God. He created us in whose image? His own. What did he breathe into us? The breath of life, and we became a living what? Turn to Isaiah 14. And all this is introduction. Look at verse 12. Now something else has taken place. Exactly when on the timeline, I don't know. Neither do you. But this happened. And it happened in heaven. Verse 12, Isaiah 14. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will, by notice how many times he says this, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Look at the next verse. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Now follow me. God created mankind. He created the heavens and the earth. He also created the angels. And here is an angel, I believe Lucifer, the angel of music, who stood before God giving praise, and one day something was found in his heart. Now let me ask you, were the angels created in the image of God? No. Did God breathe into them the breath of life? No. Did they become a living soul? No. It's us. Now, Satan has fallen. 
And according to Scripture, one-third of the angels followed him. He was cast out of heaven, but he found the best target. He and she who were created in the image of God. So we wind up reading in Genesis 3.1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Those first four words he spoke. Yea, hath God said. I will hammer this as long as I get behind this pulpit. Those four words are the absolute modus operandi of the wicked one, questioning God in his motives, in his makeup, in his manners, in his methods, in his desire for mankind, in his character, in all those things. Please follow me on this. His desire, his passion is to get you and to get me to question God. And not only question God in his character, but also question God in his judgment. Ye shall not surely die. Now, having said that, Let's stop and consider what some of the fruit of this is. Do you remember in Proverbs 8.36, God's wisdom was personified. It was speaking. And in Proverbs 8.36, God's wisdom speaking says, but he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul, All they that hate me love, what? Death. All they that hate me love death. Listen. In so much of history, all around the world, so many cultures determined that certain lives didn't matter. Now please, I am asking all of you to follow me to the end on this. Certain lives didn't matter. For instance, a woman's life didn't matter. She's property. You can do this, you can do that. I mean, all kinds of things. And by the way, in Islamic countries, especially the fundamentalist countries, women are still treated wretchedly. But in biblical Christianity, and I am stressing biblical, and really, biblical Christianity is truly the only Christianity. Other stuff, it's just religion. It's botched, it's inferior, it's, it's nothing. In biblical Christianity, you find this in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And a deep meditation on that 
is worth doing. Is worth doing. Not only did a woman's life not matter, a baby's life didn't. Outside of the God of heaven, you could have a kind of religion where if you wanted to, you could bring your baby and put it into the hands of a red-hot idol called Moloch and listen to that baby scream and sizzle and then die. There's many others like that. I don't want to go into it. I, I tell you what, you start getting upset. But a baby's life didn't matter. A little child did not matter. But you take the Lord and he tells us this in Psalm 127, lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. Children are an heritage of the Lord. You look around and you find this. If God created it, endorsed it, ordained it, or blessed it, it's under attack in our culture. Because women don't matter. When it comes to living a pure life, the world mocks them. Children don't matter. Remember when young women had to have the permission of the parents to get their ears pierced? And now you've got the government helping children have abortions without the parents' knowledge. Folks, there's wretchedness going on. There is wretchedness going on big time. God created the family. The family's under attack. God created the world. The world is being misrepresented. It goes on and on. It all centers around God's creation and the life he gave it. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 28. This is mankind, and it's sad because we're seeing it being played out by our very government. The administration that we have right now, not only on the national level, but on the state level here in California. Look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit some such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And so we have people, we have that young lady in Congress that actually said this, either yesterday or the day before yesterday, when it comes to abortion, we were born for this fight. 
Okay, okay. It's, it's a fight to kill the unborn, but we were born for this. Yeah, it does sound stupid. But then when there were those that were out and trying to use God's word to tell people of their sin and how they need to repent, they need to listen to what God has to say, like the street preacher in Seattle, what happens? They mob him, they take his Bible, they shred it, I mean they tear it apart page by page. I watched one video on this, cursing, using the worst of language, which by the way is getting to be all too common. One of them actually comes out and says, I want to get pregnant just so I can kill it. That's called a reprobate mind. That's called a reprobate mind. That's why I praise God for what's going to be taking place this Wednesday at the Capitol. There's going to be testimony that this is against God. And I'm so glad that we're going to have Max here Wednesday night. They're going to be preaching outside the Capitol as well, I believe. I want to be there. Listen. And this is still introduction. This world we can praise God for is not our home. But while we are here, we have got to do our best to preach truth. There are plenty out there that are preaching death. You know, it's amazing to me that there was a time that there was a good understanding of what Marxism was all about. It's wretchedness. But now we have a younger generation who were taught by people in our government, in our government schools, in our government universities, the blessings of Marxism. I like this, a fellow by the name of Christopher Hahn wrote, in his book, The Eight Specters of Karl Marx in the 21st Century, he wrote this, America needs the word of God, not Marxist propaganda, which has never built anything good and righteous in its 175 year history, but rather has left behind a heritage of mayhem, totalitarian enslavement, and death. He goes on to quote someone else who says this, Revolutionary Marxism still holds the record for having deceived, enslaved, terrorized, imprisoned, tortured, and murdered more millions of people than any other ideology. The Leninist and Maoist interpreters of Karl Marx sacrificed over 160 million civilians on the altar of global equality. And that's just the conservative's estimate, the conservative estimate. That's this world. And we've got people embracing that while playing a game of numbers and names trying to get this book to look bad while they make Karl Marx look good and try to enslave another nation, and that is ours. But there's another life 
There's another life that seemed not to matter. And that is a slave's life. Would you take your Bibles now and turn, if you would, in the New Testament, right after the book of Hebrews, excuse me, just before the book of Hebrews, one page letter, Philemon. One page letter, Philemon. During the time of Christ, and then immediately following, in the Roman Empire, there were more slaves in the Roman Empire than free people. Over half the population of the Roman Empire were slaves. They were furniture. They were a tool. You put them to death, do whatever, you know, it just didn't matter. Then the gospel started going out. And the gospel started changing lives. It was a time of transition. And when you read your New Testament, it's a joy to see. There's some things that are mentioned there that you wonder, I I wonder why Paul didn't go further in something. But you recognize what is happening. As the gospel went out, the culture, the wretched culture of Rome started to crumble. This one-page letter is a perfect example of what takes place. There was a man by the name of Philemon. Philemon was led to Christ by Paul. Philemon was a wealthy man. Philemon had slaves. One's name was Onesimus. Onesimus escaped from his master and lo and behold wound up running into Paul in Rome as Paul was withheld there. Paul led Onesimus to Christ. He led him to Christ. And when he realized who Onesimus was, probably knew him before actually, he wrote a letter to Philemon. We're going to start here in verse 8. Take a look at it, would you please? Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such as one as Paul the aged, and now also the prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Now listen to what Paul is saying about Onesimus. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, now listen to this, that is my own bowels. Whom I would have retained with me, 
that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Philemon, I'm trusting you're going to see this and do what you ought to do. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not as a what? Not as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, look at this next phrase, receive him as myself. I I, I want you to understand what's taking place here. The culture is crashing. The culture is crashing. Onesimus has become a believer. Paul says to Philemon, you treat him the very same way you would treat me. You know what breaks my heart? And I'm glad my mom's not here. She's from Alabama. She's not, no, I actually, I, we talked about this. But you know, if, if Christians, if professing Christians had just read their Bibles and let the Bible speak for itself and rightly divide the word of truth, there would have been no civil war. You know why? There would have been no slavery. Yeah, but wait a minute. No, no, no. You listen to your Bible. The ground at the cross is level. There's no difference. Now, now remember, we were created in the image of who? Except some of us look different. So who was not created in the image of God? Well, yeah, but I heard one time, you heard wrong. Excuse me, I'm okay. Apple Watch, you know, what do you do? Remember, Acts 17, verse 26, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times beforehand and the bounds of their habitation, that they they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not... Very uh, be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Paul is telling the people in Mars Hill, we're all one blood. We're all one blood. Again, see what God has given the most care for, the greatest attention to, and the highest priority concerning mankind, and you'll find what really matters. 
There are people that honestly have felt betrayed or misused and abused. The answer is Christ. You know what really matters? People have said, black lives matter, this lives matter, that lives matter. Let me tell you something. Eternal life matters. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. This is what matters. When it comes to the gospel, think of the person. Think of it. Here's Christ. Boy, he started taking it apart. Listen to verse 5 in Matthew. Excuse me, not verse 5, verse 43, Matthew 5. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Uh Uh-oh. You know what Christ is doing? He's turning it all on its head. Every bit of it. Yeah, but this person did me wrong. Take it to God. Take it to God. The Son of Man, Jesus said in Luke 19, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what matters. We can argue, man, let me say this, let me put it this way. Mankind can argue till they're blue in the face about this and that when it comes to anything and everything that mankind has tried to make an agenda. But unless you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to die and go to hell along with a whole lot of other people who just, they, their agenda was their own agenda. Think of, the, think of the price. Revelation 13, Christ is known as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. When Christ died on the cross, the Bible says he said, it is finished, not it's finally over. No, it is paid in full is what that phrase means. In other words, folks, Jesus came truly to seek and save that which was lost because the thing that matters most is the fact that our sin has separated us from God and we need him for our salvation. Not a movement, not an agenda. We need Christ. But now wait a minute. Genesis 3. Yea, hath God said... We've got Christian people that are bringing up questions and going, wait a minute, don't don't you hear the gospel? Don't you understand what God is saying? In Romans 6, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 5, we read this, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things become new. This is the change that comes. 
Romans 6, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. And so guess what happens? Christ comes along, he's believed on, and what is it the people want? Oh, we just, we want love in the world. He says, listen, John 13, to his disciples, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. John 15, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. His believers said the same thing. John said, 1 John 4, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the substitute for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. People talk about the fact that, you know, I'm so tired of the hatred in the world. Why do you then keep rejecting God that so loved you that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life? You see, Eternal life matters. Not the movement, not the agenda, the God of creation and the Lord that came and paid the penalty for our sin. Does the change come? Excuse me, does the change come? Oh, does it ever? Listen to this. In his book, Up From Slavery, Booker T. Washington said this, I learned this lesson from General Samuel Chapin Armstrong. He was head of the, of the school where uh, Washington went and resolved that I would permit no man, no matter what his color might be, to narrow and degrade my soul by making me hate him. With God's help, I believe that I have completely rid myself of any ill feeling toward the southern white man for any wrong that he may have inflicted upon my race. I am made to feel just as happy now when I am rendering service to southern white men as when the service is rendered to a member of my own race. I pity from the bottom of my heart any individual who is so unfortunate as to get into the habit of holding race prejudice. First of all, we're all one race, but I understand what he's saying here. You know what's sad? Here was a man that was, his ancestry brought here unjustly, made to be a slave. He has found God in the midst of people that claim to be righteous because they're Christians, and he has freedom, and they who think they have freedom don't have any. Because if you're going to have freedom, you need Christ. You need to be rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, eternal life matters. I like what he said later on in the book. Great men cultivate love. Only little men cherish a spirit of hatred. George Washington Carver said this in 1927, keep 
your hand in that of the master. Walk daily by his side so that you may lead others into the realms of true happiness wherein a religion of hate which poisons both body and soul will be unknown, having in its place the golden rule, which is the Jesus way of life. I don't know if I had heard this story before. There was a man who was a Presbyterian pastor. He was also an editor. He was a school teacher also, by the way. His name was Elijah Lovejoy. He actually wound up leaving the pulpit and going back into being an editor to get his message out that he hated and he despised slavery. After observing one lynching, Lovejoy was committed forever, they say, to fighting uncompromisingly the sin of slavery. Mob action was brought against him time and again. Neither this nor many of the other threats deterred him. Repeated destruction of his presses did not stop him. Quote, if by compromise is meant that I should cease from my duty, I cannot make it. I fear God more than I fear man. Crush me if you will, but I shall die at my post, unquote. Four days later, that's exactly what happened at the hands of another mob. Not one of the killers was prosecuted. In fact, one of them wound up becoming mayor of the town where they were at. However, there was another young man who was deeply moved by that pastor's martyrdom. He had just been elected into the legislature in Illinois. His name was Abraham Lincoln. It's amazing how God has worked. I want us to get this down. There are going to be movements that abound in the future. People will come to you and try to put us on one guilt trip or another. Our message needs to stay the same. What life matters? Eternal life matters. You get your eyes off of that and you can get all the glory and all the success that you want on this earth. But you'll die and you'll go to hell because eternal life didn't matter. Satan knows how to manipulate. You know, yea hath God said, God has said. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know why we're a multiracial church? Because eternal life matters. Other doesn't. And we can tell stories. We could go, you know, and, you know, I... <laughs> I 
There was a fellow that came to our church here many years ago, and he tried to tell me he came from another church. And uh, something happened at that other church. I'm not going to go into it. But I just felt like this. (laughs) I can't wait till Paul Green walks in here. That other family never came back. I was so glad for that. Folks, we're coming into a really interesting time. What lives matter? All lives matter. That doesn't, when, when you try to say, you know, that such and such life matters, whose life doesn't matter? Doesn't matter. But the most important life that matters is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what matters. Oh, protect people here on earth? Absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody should be going after anybody else because of what they look like. That that makes me angry. I know it makes you angry too. But the thing that we do not want to lose is we're here to teach